0: You all know today's St. Patrick's Day. Just really briefly, the short version. Um, where was he time-wise? I'm thinking he went back to Ireland in 425. Does some, anyone know around then? the 400. Is that right? So um, St. Patrick was a guy who grew up in Britain in the late 300s and he at 16 years of age was captured by marauders or pirates you might call them from Ireland. Ireland was an island with druids and celts and pagan worship and violence and mistreatment of women and it was a rowdy group of people. He was kidnapped and sold into slavery in Ireland. Did you know that? Yeah. This is Saint this is the guy we call Saint Patrick. He was Raised in the home of a deacon in the church, his grandfather was a priest. He was not a follower of Jesus. He was a rebellious teenager. While he was in slavery, starting at age 16, he began to pray, and the word of God that had been put in him from the time of his childhood came alive, and he gave his life fully to Jesus, and he went from being Just someone who might have been, like Samuel was describing, culturally Christian, to a follower of Jesus. One night, he had a vision. He heard from God several times in his life in vision. And the Lord said, you get to go home, basically, was the message. And your ship is waiting. And he hiked 200 miles, if I remember right, to the coast. And in fact, there was a ship there, ready to sail back to Britain. He got on it. Longer story, but he made it back home. Back home in Britain, he... Became a priest. He went to ministry. Went to semin- Went into ministry. Studied in seminary. Became this full-on. Now many years later, I think 25 years later, God gives him another vision, and puts it on his heart to go back to the very people that were his slave masters, and minister the gospel to them. He came back to Ireland, and a, a the island nation was changed. There were no Christians, and it became all Christian by the time he was done. Because he began doing holy hellos. He went from person to person, told them about Jesus, told them how to follow the Lord, told them how to be baptized, told them how they could also do what he was doing, so he ordained priests, started churches. And, you know, you think of Ireland as a very Catholic country right now, right? Because before there were Protestants, there were just Christians who were Catholic. There wasn't two. There was just... Okay so there that was that was what it was to be Christian so that's how Ireland got to be where it is and became a Christian nation. He is one of the foremost evangelist missionaries in the history of the world and you do well to study him. It's not actually about green beer. <laughs> Praise God. And the and the kind of legend is he took the shamrock the three leaf and said Tried to explain the Trinity—Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did you know that? If you didn't, now you know a little bit. So today, I, I sent you an email and told you I'm going to talk to you more, uh, more like an army getting ready to be launched into battle than a um, audience. If you didn't know, um, you might be in here and you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus. Um, following Jesus doesn't mean that you the. the The sum total of Christianity to follow Jesus is to go to buildings like this, sing some songs and hear a guy tell you a motivational talk and go home. You're actually following Jesus, learning to do what he did. And he has a mission for people that are following him. He has a love for this planet and he is slowly, consistently fulfilling all his promises. We sing all his promises are yes and amen. And he is at work bringing hope and goodness to this planet but doing it through people like you and me sometimes called the army of god we're an army of love an army of healers an army of forgivers an army that comes and serves and we that's our weapon love the power of the holy spirit healing the sick comforting the wounded and so that's what we're going to talk about in some way or another it's a different kind of feel for me for what i'm doing today um you just see what you think. It's, those of you that come and hear me speak and teach from time to time, this felt so different. But I, you know, I pray and do whatever. So this is an interesting image I'm going to put up here. It says, imagine the shock um, from riches, fame and power. I was thinking about this as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about. Some, you all follow, some of you follow the news and know there's the big um, college admissions scandal right now. If you don't know... Um, Several rich and powerful, famous people, 50, I think, have been already arrested. Um, Those are a couple um, stars. That's, I don't even know these people. Felicity Huffman, does anyone know her? And um, Lindsay, I'm afraid I'll say her name long. Is is it Lori Loughlin? Loughlin. Laughlin. that's how you say it? That's the two actresses up there. So to help their kids get in school and a bunch, many, many people, there was a guy who set up a whole bribery scam and said, you know, you give me hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, and I have, I'll help your kid get into really good schools. And I'll bribe, I'll bribe coaches, I'll bribe administrators, I'll work this whole system. You have trouble with your SAT test, that's the college entrance test, if you don't know. I have a system to help your scores be better. So I'll bribe the people that oversee the... So it's this huge thing across America. And I was just thinking, can you imagine going from living in your mansion in Malibu to having the FBI show up and cuff you and put you in a jail cell? Do you ever, just think for a moment, you live the rich and privileged life. Or maybe you're Steve Manafort, right? Big political operative, multimillionaire, cheated the system for years and years, gets caught up in a congressional investigation of the president, and kind of a side issue, but it's a real crime, and now he's an old man lost all his wealth and privilege, lost it all, and he's in prison right now, and he'll probably die in prison. And so I was just, that thought came to me. I thought, oh, let me get that image in my mind and the shock of going from privilege to handcuffs to prison. And then I thought, I wonder about the shock of Revelation 20. We sang a song about the resurrection, the one that you all love so much. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. I, I preach to you sometimes out of Revelation 21 and the promise that Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. He's going to restore this world. There's great hope. It's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Everything that we could ever long for and hope for And way better than that is going to be our experience in Christ. What I often haven't read to you is the verses right before that good news, where we're going to read now. So hang on to your seats. This is uh, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation, if you don't know, is the recording of a vision that Jesus' really good friend John had. He was an apostle. He was... um, because of his faith in Christ, he was exiled to an island called Patmos. They just couldn't kill this guy. He's an old man. He gets a vision of Jesus that's full of apocalyptic kind of pictures and imagery that's sometimes difficult to interpret, sometimes not difficult, where Jesus shows up and he's like falls on his face, he's fearful, and Jesus is like, you know, it's all good. This is Jesus his friend, who's now the the warrior, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And he tells him about what has been, what is, and what will be. So it's, a, it's prophetic. It pictures the future. It also talks about the whole history of this planet. At the end of that prophecy comes these words. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. You guys, this is real. This is going to happen. This is the future. It will happen. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged. A day of judgment comes to all. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Everything I do and say, God sees. And I will give an account. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Verse 15 is a scary verse. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The shock of that moment and the knowing that it is right, is going to be intense. Much more intense than Felicity Huffman and Cuffs going to jail for a little bit. It's an intense day, and it's reality. We love to preach the truth and joyful hope that is in Jesus Christ. But part of that joyful hope is that because of that joyful hope, the penalty for my sins, which are many, has been put on Jesus, and if I will receive what he's done, I will receive his righteousness. He went to a cross and shed his blood to pay my penalty because he loves me. There's no religion on earth that's like this. When everyone tells you all religions are the same, say, really, tell me about your good news and your God that gave his life so I would not have to suffer penalty. You won't find that one because this is the only one that's true We are the only ones who know the truth about a God who sends his own son to die for us, that we might have life, and that he would pay the penalty for our sins and justify us, that we would rise to new life with him someday when he returns. He's resurrected, we sang, and if he rose from the grave, we will too. That's his promise, and we will. Some will rise from the grave for judgment because they have rejected their only hope. Boy, did it get quiet in here. Ron, you have to tell the bad news. Well, see, the good news isn't good news until you know how bad the bad news is. Right? It's good It's good news when you know how bad the bad news is and where you were headed, and then you don't have to head there because of the goodness of God. Let me show you now a video that you may have seen from a guy named Penn Gillette, an atheist. He um, does... Um, the pen and Teller, I've never even actually seen it, but some of you have maybe. It's a magic entertainment show, and he's a television star. And he's an atheist that said something really interesting for Christians to hear. He's going to talk about the word proselytize. You might not know that phrase. That is a way to talk about people who try to tell people what they believe in the hopes that what they believe they'll also believe. I would love, you. it's like Jesus, follow me. It's like me. I've been following Jesus and I want you to follow Jesus too. That's called proselytizing. Listen to what this atheist has to say. I think it's good for us to hear.
1: I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position. After I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, big guy. And um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, So he had the props from that in his hand, because we'd give those away. He had the the joke book and the the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, eh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, He wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show, and... uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and, um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it, but he said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a, uh, Gideon Pocket Edition, um, Thought I said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament, little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, "I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this." I'm kind of uh, proselytizing, and then he said, "I'm a businessman. I'm." and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself, Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you, and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible which had written in it a little note to me uh, not very personal but just you know like to show and so on and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch now I know there's no God and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that uh, but I'll tell you he was a very 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 good man and uh, That's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave you that book. That's all I wanted to
0: say. Amen. (laughs) Is that not remarkable? The line, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them? Whoa, is that convicting. So I titled this talk, Our Easter Mission. Easter, of course, is coming up in a month. It's when we celebrate the day that Jesus rose from the dead after giving his life for us so that we would not have to experience our names not being written in the book of life at the end of Revelation But we'd go to Revelation 21, where there's a new heaven and a new earth, and every sorrow and mourning has been put away, there's no more death, there's no more weeping, and we enter into the consummation of the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. And he's saying, if you really believe that, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them? We're going to be celebrating Easter, remembering it, and as we get there, the well, God has a mission for us. And Jesus, when he rose from the dead, gathered the few people. It wasn't even as big as this group of people. It was, just, it was actually 11 guys, some who were right then doubting. And he said, I, I have a mission for you and want you to go and make disciples to the ends of the earth. St. Patrick heard the mission and followed it. That, it's for everyone. I want you to teach them everything I've taught you so that they'll obey it. And so I I want to just kind of talk about some motivations and strategies for our mission in the next month. That's why I'm talking to you more like an army than an audience. If, If you're here and you haven't ever given your life to Jesus yet, I'm so glad you're here. I would love you to meet my best friend. I'd love you to have the hope that I have that so far in life, nothing has been able to shake the joy and the peace that so far in my life, nothing has been able to shake. I want you to have that. Life is in Jesus. And if that's you, you're already able to start spreading the good news. And you've been called to do that. You've been called to change our world, all of us in this room. So this talk is for all of us, whether or not you're even a believer in Jesus. So welcome. (laughs) Why make disciples? Because we love Jesus and we love people. That's, that's basically what Penn Jillette just said, right? If you love Jesus and you love people, how could you not help people become followers of Jesus? Well, interesting, by the way, a renowned atheist says, I respect you for talking to me. So just wipe out our fear. Some of us in this room right now, I'll say this right now, I think have fear of talking to people about Jesus, what we've known, what we, ha- we think we're not able, we think we don't know enough, we think they'll reject us, we think they don't want to hear, and we want to pray for you at the end of this gathering, that God would lift the fear off of you and give you boldness and the joy of sharing Jesus. Jesus said these words to a Jewish leader. You've heard the first part of this. You might not have read all of it before, so I'll say the whole thing. Jesus said, in answer to his question about how does someone have a second birth so they can enter God's kingdom, he said, for God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son, speaking of himself, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have The eternal kind of life, the life of the kingdom of God, the life of knowing God, the life that is to come in the future, he gets to have now and in the future, if he'll believe in me. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. His name is written in this book of life. But whoever does not believe... Stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. He's rejected God's offer, so he's condemned. There is no other get-out-of-jail card. This is it. There is no get-out-of-the-punishment that you have earned in your life. This is it. There is no other way. Peter said it this way, There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other name. This is the verdict. Jesus, back again, John 3, 19. Light has come into the world. But men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. So, yes, Jesus is loving. Yes, Jesus is kind. Yes, Jesus is honest. And sometimes we, we, we forget to tell the truth part of the grace and truth. This is the truth part of the grace and truth. Grace is is available. The truth is, we need grace. That's what makes grace so good. In Acts 2, we are told the story of when Peter, after Jesus' resurrection and now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is explaining to a crowd what has happened. The people are cut to their heart after they realize that they were responsible for Jesus dying on a cross. They said, what should we do? And he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I don't often read the next sentence. So let's get that sentence here. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them. That's what I wanted you to hear. This is Peter. With many other words, he warned them. And he pleaded with them. You know, um, Penn in his, in his talk there said, that there comes a moment when I see you in a truck bearing on you, down on you and you're going to get killed where I eventually tackle you. Well, see, we can't tackle someone into receiving Jesus, though. That's where that metaphor breaks down. We can warn. We can plead. We can encourage. We can joyfully explain. We can pray. We can't tackle someone and make them. Because God has given every one of us free will to receive or reject Jesus. So Peter warned and pleaded with them, Save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. 3,000 were added <laughs> to their number that day. Why make disciples? Because we love Jesus and we love people. This is, this is love. That's what Peter did there is love. What the guy giving the Bible to Penn Gillette was, was Love. But Christian stepping out of his comfort zone slightly with the girl with the apostrophe tattoo to talk about hope and hopelessness and where hope comes from. And then praying for her who doesn't believe in prayer. And then seeing her prayer answered. (laughs) It's pretty cool. So another thought I have for us. Why make disciples? Because Jesus said, follow me. And we said yes. Did you say yes? You're in, some of you are in here, most of you, and you said yes. He said to them, Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the good news. Proclaim this good news to all creation. Whoever believes and baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Same thing. And he adds this, and these signs will follow those who believe. I love this part. They'll drive out demons. I have done that. And it's very, very kind for the person who's been demonized. If you have someone who knows Jesus, come with the authority of Jesus and say, Spirit, be gone and stop harassing my friend. Leave. And have the Spirit leave. I might have just messed with some of you. I have done that, I've seen it, and I've seen the freedom. And Jesus said, this will happen to you who believe in me. There are dark spirits, dark powers that harass people, and you have authority in my name to get rid of them. And um, he goes on, they'll speak in new tongues that. Pick up snakes with their hands and they they won't harm I haven't done that. I hate snakes. (laughs) Drink drink deadly poison. (laughs) Won't hurt them. That happened to Paul, though. Remember when the snake, the poisonous snake, bit him and he just shook it off because God was with him? That's that's a fulfillment of this. Place their hands on sick people and they'll get well. Oh my gosh, if you haven't stepped out in faith, following your holy hello, when someone says, uh, yeah, I'm in pain... And you say, well, I have some hope. I think God might want to do something about your pain right now. Would it be okay if I asked him to help you? And you step out and you put your hand on them and you ask Jesus to come and heal and they get healed? If they don't get healed, you did well by risking in faith. Faith is spelled, we've been told, R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. Uh, and you've shown love. Okay. By the way, is is it okay for me to lie? This is not a trick question. Is it okay for me to steal from you? Why not? What do you base that on? (laughs) By what authority do you tell me it's not okay for me to steal? God's word, because God has spoken and He has not left us without a record. He He said, "Don't steal." That's why I can't steal. Not because a group of people got together and said we ought to make a law that people shouldn't steal because it's not good for society. I'm not supposed to steal because God said do not steal. This is the way the world works. If you steal, you'll be breaking my plan for your people and it will mess everything up so don't do it. right? And I, I can't commit adultery, right? Because God said not to. In fact, in Jesus... He's changing my heart to be the kind of person who doesn't even covet or long for someone else's stuff so that I don't even have the desire to take it from them, right? You live in a culture that teaches you to covet, if you didn't know. You live in a culture that teaches you that you should have what someone else has, because it's not fair that they have it. It's in the news, it's in the protest marches in your culture. The reason you can't have what someone else has is because that's stealing, right? Is it okay for me to not do good works? Oh, that just got more confusing maybe. See, he who said, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not lie, also said, let your light shine before men so that they may glorify your Father when they see your good works. Is it okay for me not to do good works? Because God said so. Is it okay for me not to make disciples? Oh, so we make disciples because Jesus said, follow me, and we said, yes, and to follow him means to learn what he said and obey it. You might want to whisper that word to yourself, obey, that doesn't come out very well at the beginning, obey, I will obey, obey. Can you say, I I will obey God? Can Can you feel okay with that? Obey God, because his, his, uh, his plan is for your benefit and your blessing. If I obey him, I'm getting in harmony with the creator of the universe who knows how things run. You know. if you This wouldn't happen today, but if, if you went to the gas station and you saw that diesel fuel was way cheaper than gas fuel, but you had a gasoline engine... And the manual said, don't put diesel fuel in this tank, put gas, a lean." You could say, well, why don't want to. It. It's cheaper to put in diesel. But if you go ahead and put in diesel, it won't work, will it? It'll mess up your engine, won't it? It'll ruin your car. Why? Because somebody just made up a rule that they don't want you to follow? No, because someone made a really great vehicle and wants you to know how it runs. Why should we be sexually moral? but don't you see that I want to do this other thing that I really want to do, and I'm sure my way is better than your way, God, because you just don't understand, and I want this. He's like, no, I made you. I know how your engine runs. Don't put diesel in there. It will hurt you. I got personal there, huh? Is that what? You guys, obey the Lord so that it might be well with you and your friends who don't know Jesus yet. Obey the Lord that it might go well with you because if you run your hand against the grain of the universe, you're going to get some bad splinters. Yeah. Okay, I got off track. <laughs> I think this is the fourth one in my list of why I make disciples. Why, what's the motivation for our Easter mission? Because there is no societal problem that would not be solved by people becoming true disciples of Jesus. You understand that? If we follow Jesus and make disciples to where the disciples of Jesus are the majority of people on the planet, the, the poor will be fed, the lazy will get to work, both. People will be healed, people will be loved. Racism will not be an issue because we'll be disciples of Jesus where racism is not allowed. All that will be gone as we make disciples of Jesus. You cannot come up with a problem in our culture or our society that will not be solved by people becoming disciples of Jesus. That's another reason. One more. This one, are you okay with this list? How you doing? Our Easter mission, make disciples. Well, here's another reason that you may not have thought of. Did you know that Jesus has been given a gift by his Father? And his Father has decided to use to partner with, to invite you and me to help give the gift to Jesus. Now, if you've met Jesus, you probably like him. You probably love him. You probably are thankful and would love to give him a gift. So, there's a a messianic prophecy... Psalm 2 that says, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, this is speaking of Jesus prophetically by David, you are my son, today I've become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. And then in in John chapter 6, New Testament, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And I won't read the rest of that, it's for time's sake. Jesus is longing for people to be given to him as his followers that he might bless and love them and be in relationship to them. In his infinitely wise plan, God has decided that you and I get to be the ones to help people become followers of Jesus and give Jesus the very thing he longs for. We make disciples because we love Jesus and we have the joyful privilege of partnering with the Father to bring to jesus the father 's gifts, and if you have never thought of that, think about that. It gives you so much joy then when you go and you say hello to someone pregnant with the possibility that God might want to break in and bring his blessing and help them become a follower and lover of jesus, and you, do, you go there and you, you pass your your chicken line, and you pass the chicken line right and you you go risk you, you, you you go past your comfort zone and you engage in conversation and it goes somewhere because the Holy Spirit's leading it and you realize, I just gave Jesus an awesome gift. It was even better than the song I sang on Sunday morning. It's worship. That's good. Someone ought to say amen to that. <laughs> I'm playing when I say that. Huh? Okay, so, strategies. Army. Ready for your mission? Here's some simple strategies. Here's quoting the psalmist. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, will not hide from their children. We'll tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he's done. Those are your words. I think it's a reasonable goal for each of you and me to at least one time every week between now and April 21st, the day we celebrate Jesus glorious resurrection to have at least one significant God encounter every week. That's a reasonable goal. It's okay to have goals about evangelism, about proselytizing the language Angela used, about sharing faith. I don't know if you have goals like that. I'm asking you and me to go. I'm going to make it my ambition and my prayer that I get to have one significant conversation at least a week, some of you will be overachievers and do 10 a day, and I salute you. <laughs> what only God can do, only God can set up divine appointments. Remember last week when I told you about the story of me on the airplane? You don't? You snooze, you lose. Oh, you do, okay. <laughs> it will probably be on the podcast really soon. I think it will. Although I don't know. Maybe he had to edit it out. I said some names. What do you think, Barry? Maybe you'll edit out those guys' names. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, there's a story that was a divine appointment that God set up that I just happened to walk into. He set it up, I walked into it. Only he can set those up. Only God can open people's hearts to Jesus. You know, I said, you can't tackle him into the kingdom. Uh, only, only God can empower me to heal the sick or to drive out demons or to pray and bring supernatural peace to someone who's distraught or to bring heavenly wisdom to someone who doesn't know what to do. And, and I say, that is a complex situation I think God wants to help, and he knows to do. Let's ask him. And then wisdom comes. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Paul said it like this, Apostle Paul, what after all is Apollos? Apollos was another uh, apostle like Paul. What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned each to his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Neither he plants or he who waters anything God who makes things grow. Well, what can you and I do? So, we have a goal. Here's my strategy. Now I have some steps that I can legitimately take. God has his part. I have my part. Hear that. God has his part. You have your part. God has his part. He does the divine appointments. He draws people to Jesus. He sets the table. He brings out the food. I serve the food, but he brings the food. That's his job. This is my job. I can pray for friends who I think don't know Jesus yet. Specifically, I can make my, I can on my piece of paper that's on my lap right now write down a name and say, I'm going to pray for this person. I can pray, God, give me an opportunity for a God encounter with that friend. I can look for the holy hellos. I can pray for them and I can look for every opportunity to say hello to someone just fully engaged, looking for what I might hear from God or for what they might say what tattoo they might have that will draw me into a conversation. Um, I might throw out the church question and see what happens there. But here's here's a, a practical conversation starter at this time of year with your friends. Simple question that I'm suggesting you use. How do you celebrate Easter? Ask your friend that you think doesn't know Jesus, the one that you want to bring to church with you on Easter Sunday, and say, how do you celebrate Easter? And then, if they don't ask you how you celebrate Easter, tell them anyway. <laughs> and, and say, you know what? I would love to have you come with me to where I gather to celebrate Easter. And I, I'd love to take you out to lunch afterward. Would you come with me? See where that conversation goes. How you doing, Army? How do you celebrate Easter? <gasps> Invite them. Okay, here's something that you don't know about. You ready? You listening? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> there is a group called Saturate San Diego who actually is doing this all over the nation crazy multi-millionaire business people who want everyone on our, in our nation to hear the gospel. So they have given the money to purchase enough Jesus Film DVDs printed in the eight most common languages in the United States. Not printed, but recorded. So that every single household in San Diego County can have one. All they need is a distribution system. Raise your right hand. <laughs> And there's going to be coming to our building uh, at the end of this month thousands of Jesus Film DVDs with the hopes that we will give them away. On April 13th, we and Calvary Chapel Living Hope, because they're doing the same thing, and some others that we can gather, will have some maps and we will have these thousands of DVDs. We'll package them up in little door hangers and you and I We'll go around our neighborhoods. Some of us will be chicken, and we'll just run and hide as we put one on a doorknob. We'll have an invitation to join us for a Good Friday service that we'll do together with Calvary Chapel. And an invitation that also includes an invitation to join us on Easter Sunday. Some people the Father has already drawn, and all they need is that little push, and they will join us. Some people, we get to help with the push a little more. Uh, Steve and I love this because whenever we go we take a little riskier and we just knock on the door and say can I give you an invitation to something in a free dvd it's the story of Jesus love to have you watch it and usually in fact 100% Steve and I have never gone out doing that that somebody hasn't engaged in a significant conversation usually someone invites us into their house and we're praying for someone before the day's over is that right Every, someone accepted someone except Christ every time. So we're going to do that April 13th. We'll spend a couple hours. We figure that each person can do about 25 DVDs in an hour. That's the, that's the statistics. So I'm hoping at least 50 of us, but how about 100 of us? Practical. If, I'll tell you more about that when the time comes. Closer and... Um, let me just say something I've said to you so many times. Repetition is a teacher's favorite tool. We need a lifestyle of always helping the next person become a lover and a follower of Jesus and his people. I've said that so many times that I hope that that phrase gets stuck in your head. Why? Because if people have an encounter with the incredible love of Jesus, it will naturally overflow into their responsive love. Why a follower of Jesus? Because Jesus has come and follow me. It's not enough to experience his love There has to be a response of the heart. The Bible says, you believe, that's fine. The devils also believe. But it doesn't do them a lot of good until they decide to follow Jesus. So people need to go from, Jesus is cool. Jesus is just all right with me. Who's saying that, Doobie Brothers? (laughs) To, and I'm gonna follow him. And then the third part people is that loving Jesus and following Jesus is always lived out in in the context of the community of believers, never solo. So we are helping someone in our life become a follower and lover of Jesus and his people. In other words, they're joined together with the body of Christ.